mics here. I'm going to set this Bible somewhere, I mean Bible, hymn book, somewhere, and uh, let's make sure that one gets put on the reject pile. I can't turn the pages in the hymn book, and so I had that problem before. We're going to start in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and tonight, kind of a different message here, uh, just something I'd like for us to do, a, a survey of prayer. We call this our prayer meeting here tonight. And uh, just going to uh, certainly not be exhaustive, but cover several of the different things that prayer uh, should do in our lives, Think how prayer should work, how we should use prayer as a tool. And, of course, we want to start in Romans chapter 10, And verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, We do want to stress that just praying a prayer does not save you. It's the prayer of faith that saves you. It's prayer in obedience. There are many, many prayers that people pray that just have nothing to do with the Scripture at all. How many of you forgot there was a test? Dear Lord, help me study, help me remember for the test. God's not answering that prayer. Sorry. Uh, that was, uh, that has nothing to do with the Bible at all. Uh, you're driving along the road and you see flashing red lights come. Oh Lord, please don't let me get a ticket. Uh, Lord's not answering that prayer necessarily. I mean, if it does happen, you don't get a ticket. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know that I'd put that up to an answer to prayer. Amen? Uh, there was a lot of things that probably shouldn't ought to have been happening before the red lights came on. And uh, so, yet, if you are here tonight and you know Jesus as your Savior, that is a transaction that happened between you and God The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. And faith is being obedient to God's Word, believing this book to the point of obedience. And here it tells us that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. How many of you remember that day when you called upon the name of the Lord, when you prayed? And finally said, Lord, I give up. I'm not trying to save myself anymore. I'm not trying to be uh, mama's good little boy or whatever was your uh, lot in life. It's just, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I, I want to challenge you. Don't ever get over the day you got saved. Visit it often. Remind yourself of what happened Remember the turmoil that was in your soul that led up to that point to where you finally surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember that prayer was the final transaction. Prayer is what applied faith to your... uh, uh, The prayer of faith connected with God's grace and brought salvation to your soul. Better way to say it. And so, tonight, as we talk about prayer, let's remember, it all started 
with prayer. That is how I got saved. And I don't know how many times I've said this, and I'm not even going to try to guess at how many more times I'm going to say this, and I hope you never get tired of hearing it. What you did to get saved is what you do to live for God. And so that joy that happened that moment you trusted the Lord, let's turn to 1 John 1, 9. How many of you have that verse memorized? 1 John 1, 9. Uh, if you do, uh, let's just turn there and read it anyway. There's, there's some times where we just need to exercise ourselves in reading. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, please, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have taken advantage of that verse this week? Uh, if we confess our sins. You see, this is not talking about salvation. That's already been taken care of. And if you have any questions, read the uh, beginning of the chapter. It says that, we could have fellowship one with another, and truly our fellowship with the, is with Jesus Christ. You cannot have fellowship with God the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ without first availing yourself of God's grace in salvation. But there are times where we're going to step out of the way, and many more times than we would really like to think about or admit, but how do we keep that relationship with God right? Well, we started that relationship. It began through prayer, calling upon His name, asking Him to save us. Then, as often as we sin, we need to confess that sin to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust His faithfulness and His justness to forgive us our sins. And I, I love the second part of that verse, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, uh, I think I've told this story just recently, but uh, it just bears telling again right here. Uh, I worked with a lady. Uh, they were in uh, what was known as a Church of God Holiness in Missouri, where I was a student in Bible college, and they're just dear people. And I got talking to her one late night. We worked from 11 o'clock at night till 7.30 in the morning. Uh, and uh, in the nursing home, taking care of the people there. Well, what a what a job that was! And and I just asked her one night. I said, "But you believe you can lose your salvation, don't you?" And she says, "Absolutely. Salvation is something that you have to keep. It's something you have to work at." And uh, we went through the the scenario. I said, "What if I made you mad?" Uh, I just was in a very impish mood, and I did some things to upset you. And, uh, and and she realized that I could probably do that fairly well and went along with the story there. And, and I said, but let, let's suppose I just really went over the top and made you so angry that you left work. You just couldn't even stand to be in my presence here, and you left work. I said, that would be wrong now, wouldn't it? She said, well, yeah, I'm not supposed to leave here until uh, uh, work shift is over. That would be breaking the rules. And, and, and then I said, now, let's just take this a little farther. Let's suppose you were so angry and upset at what I had done. 
that you got in your car as you left here, that was doing wrong, and you were speeding. I said, that's wrong, isn't it? And she said, absolutely. And I said, then you weren't even paying attention, went through a red light, and a truck came through, and you went into eternity. I said, where would you go? She said, I would go to hell. Because I didn't take time to confess my sins before I died. I said, that's the difference between the God of the Bible. I said, you must understand. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad that your salvation is not dependent upon your memory? Uh, That the maintenance of your salvation is not dependent on the fact that you can... Pray, and because you're not always going to have time to pray. Uh, the Marshall girls used to sing a song, I'll leave without saying goodbye. And uh, when Jesus calls you home, uh, very rarely do you have the opportunity to say goodbye. Uh, death is never, ever expected. Uh, death is never welcome. I remember that was one lesson I learned so vividly working in the nursing home all those years ago. You would watch these people just literally wither away. And I remember uh, one elderly gentleman in particular, he had been uh, rolled up in a fetal position in the bed for months. I mean, uh, not talking. Uh, We had to uh, feed him with a syringe, actually just take the pureed food and push it in his mouth and and it got to the point to where he even stopped swallowing the food. He just spit it back out. And finally he died. And his family was, oh, just, we didn't expect this. I mean, what did you expect? I mean, I'm standing there going, where were you when the guy was laying here in the bed for all these weeks doing nothing? And now you're saying you never expected him to die? I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. Death is never welcome. But I do want you to understand something. If we will take care of that which God brings to our mind, puts on our heart, He will take care of all the rest. God is the one that keeps us saved. But He wants us to enjoy that relationship. He wants us to walk with Him. Uh, I've often given the example of uh, when I was a little boy, my dad would give me a job to do and and uh, I wasn't always the most diligent in getting the job done. And so after two or three times, he said, I'm coming home from work at 4.30. I'm coming in the basement door. And if this basement isn't clean, things are going to happen. And it wasn't good things either. Now, if I had done my job, guess where I was waiting? I was waiting at the basement door. So when Dad walked through, see... If I had goofed off and played around and didn't, you know where I was? As far away as I could be. I never stopped being my dad's son. But I will tell you, there were times that were more enjoyable and more pleasurable than others. Uh, Keep your account short with the Lord. If we confess our sins, prayer. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I know you know all these things, but let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We're just going to take a a survey tonight. How many of you worried about something this week? 
Every hand goes up. We, we worry. Philippians 4, 6. Again, I would hope you have this verse memorized. Be careful for nothing. There is nothing that is going to happen or could happen to you that is worth wasting life effort worrying about. It says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we could somehow take that angst that comes into uh, our hearts, that, that bothers us, that makes us worry, that that gets our minds just spinning in circles saying, what about this and what about that? If we could somehow take that and put it into prayer. That, that's what this is talking about. The peace of God that passes all understanding would be keeping our hearts and minds and we would not be swayed or moved. We would not be so altered and changed by the things that swirl around us. We could... Put an end to worry. Wow. Uh, wouldn't that be an incredible thing? Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we're going to start looking here in verse 23. Well, why don't we uh, just uh, skip back to verse 20 here and pick up the first here. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and ye have believed that I came out from God. And so we come down through this passage, and there's just so much here. But oftentimes, when we pray, if you are mindful of the Bible, you will say, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, that's a very simple little ending to prayer. It's, it's very biblically 
Uh, it's a very biblical way to pray. The Bible here tells us that we are to ask the Father. Jesus said, I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to pray directly to the Father. Have you ever thought about what a privileged prayer is? That we speak directly to God. This is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us when it says, Come boldly before the throne of grace, that we can obtain mercy to help in time of need. And yet, let me ask you a question. How many of us could use a little more joy? Uh, Every hand goes up. Uh, That's just one of those questions. How many of us have had to ask God to forgive us for sins? How many of us are worried about something? How many of us need more joy? I mean, it just... Uh, and, and the answer to these questions is not going to change. Uh, because no matter how spiritually mature and strong we get, we're still human beings. And this is the natural response of the human person. But asking in Jesus' name. My favorite example is a check. Uh, I, I'm very thankful people put checks in the offering. Because a check is a piece of paper with a signature on it. And what that does is that allows me to go to the bank and demand from the bank in your name whatever amount you've put on that check. That That's how it works. Now, we're very careful when we do the accounting. We read the legal line on the check. You can write anything you want where the numbers are. It is the legal line that the bank reads. And there's been some times where we've had to say, uh, listen, um, you must have been in a hurry when you wrote your check this morning. It, it doesn't agree. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a check back and allow you to initial that or fix that so that the bank will accept that. Now, what happens in our prayer life when we go to God and ask for something in Jesus' name that Jesus has not authorized? It just gets canceled and there it is. Wasted time. Wasted prayers. Um, We want to be careful how we pray. It tells us to pray directly to the Father in Jesus' name. That means, has Jesus authorized this prayer? Has Jesus given us direction to pray for this item? Uh, Be careful when you pray. I mean, uh, tonight is the night we pray for the missionaries. And uh, don't just go, God bless all the missionaries. Uh, That's not the way it works. Um, God bless... All the missionaries on the church list. There, I got it done in one sentence. No, uh, let's let's work on this. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Uh, the Max were just with us. The, they're scheduled to come back in June and going to be giving us a full update on the ministry and all of those things. And just looking forward to uh, them being with us. Uh, but there is a great deal of unrest. Uh, they came back here to uh, help uh, put Luke in school for his uh, senior year of, it is Luke's senior year, uh, of uh, high school. And then he's going to go to college in the fall. And in October, 
are the elections in Ivory Coast. And Bob right now just told me, talked a little bit about it. It's not looking good in Ivory Coast. The level of turmoil, the level of angst. uh, You think things are bad here. They kill people in the streets there. Uh, I'm thankful that it hasn't gotten that bad here yet. Uh, The only election that I know of that we actually had someone killed was uh, the election of 1804. And it wasn't even one of the candidates, but the candidate, uh, Aaron Burr, shot and killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. His grave is right there at Trinity Churchyard. Uh, That happened because of the election of 1804. Uh, Mr. Burr thought uh, Mr. Hamilton had said things against his character. And uh, that would actually be very hard to do because Aaron Burr had none. Uh, He was a rascal in every sense of the word. In fact, if you go to the DEP office, just a little rabbit cherub chase here. He was actually one of the first water uh, commissioners or contractors in Manhattan on the island. And he was too cheap to use clay pipe. He used wood pipe. And after several people died of typhus, they put his, uh, his water corporation out of business and he was mad about that. They actually have some of the petrified uh, wood pipe, not petrified, but preserved wooden pipe that he had used there at the DEP office in um, Long Island City. And uh, so I stopped and read all the things and I said, boy, this really fits with his character. Uh, but getting back to the subject at hand, we need to pray for the Mac family because being Americans, living in that country... They're the ones that they want to blame. And they're the ones that people want to shoot. And so you need to pray. And certainly not the people that are in the church, but, you know, there are people in the town. It's a very, can be a very dangerous thing. I would, I would believe that if we prayed in Jesus' name that God would protect the Mac family and give them wisdom, that would be something that Jesus has authorized us to pray for. How many of you have... Uh, uh, someone on your heart that you would love, that you would want to see trust Jesus as their personal Savior. Uh, I've heard people pray, well, we can't pray for the salvation of others. Well, I don't find that in the Bible. Uh, I don't know where that idea came from. All through the Bible, Paul says, pray that we can take the Word of God, that it will uh, go out into and and have full course. And so... These are things that we can pray for in Jesus' name. And as we do this, the Bible says, Ask that ye may receive, and that your, what? Joy might be full. You know, if if we're having a problem with joy, you know what we need to do? We need to start working on our prayer life. That's just simply what this passage is telling us. If we're having some issues here, listen, prayer is how you got saved. Prayer is how you stay right with God. Prayer is how you have the peace of God to pass us all understanding. It's how you deal with worry. Prayer is how we can have joy in our life. Prayer is how we learn to get things from God in Jesus' name that is authorized by the Lord Jesus. And let's turn once again to James chapter 5, if we could. James chapter 5. 
And uh, we spent some time here on uh, New Year's Eve, but we're just going to take a few moments here. And prayer is something that we're supposed to do to help others. You know, so often we have uh, things that happen in other people's lives, and what we do is we say, well, we'll pray. Do we realize that taking that person before the throne of God in prayer is probably the greatest single thing that we can do? Uh, I mean, there ought to, there are times when uh, we ought to be doing and not just standing there praying, uh, but there are times when prayer is the greatest single thing that we can do. And we look here in these last few verses of James chapter 5, it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now that's pretty incredible passage right there. It tells us that we are to pray one for another. We are to lift one another up in prayer when people are sick. Um, uh, I will tell you that uh, we had a a situation of of which I I cannot really give any details, but it was a a very potentially dangerous situation in every sense of the word. And it was one of those situations where nothing you could do with your hands would solve the problem. And uh, I even consulted uh, with some legal counsel to know what to do. It was that serious of a situation, what could and couldn't be done. And and there really was nothing that could be done with human effort whatsoever. And I called uh, Brother Jim Jones there at Cleveland Baptist Church. And uh, they have a prayer chain at Cleveland Baptist Church. They call it the Loop. And, and uh, I said, uh, uh, Brother Jim, can you put this on? I said, uh, I, I can't really give details here. It's, it's just uh, one of those kind of unspoken things. But I want you to understand how serious this is. And after a few moments conversation, he, he said, well, actually, Brother Montoro, I'm at the doctor's office right now. He said, but as soon as I get home, I'm going to put this thing out. And I will tell you, nothing mysterious or mystical about this. It was uh, just not even hardly an hour later, uh, I checked the email and there it is. Pray for Brother Pete Montoro. He is going through a very difficult time. And I want to tell you something. I could feel the difference. I could feel the peace. And you know what? That problem has not crept up again since. That was months ago. Uh, This is the greatest period of peace we've had with this thing. It's an ongoing thing. Praise God. We haven't had to give any details in many years. But I will tell you something. God wants us to pray for others. He wants us to lift up those prayers. And that's... uh, uh, if I can just use that to illustrate this point, that's why you need to pray for your pastor. Uh, there are things going on that you don't know, and honestly, you don't need to know. Uh, but God knows. 
And if we keep this thing called prayer going in the direction that it ought to go, it keeps our church moving in the right direction. Uh, it is, uh, we, we face the uh, principalities, powers. Our greatest enemies are those that cannot be seen or perceived with human sensory perception. And the only weapon that we have, we don't have time to go into this tonight, but if you study the armor of God, the armor of God is not protecting you so that you can take the sword of the Spirit and poke the devil in the eye. Uh, that just really is very, very foolish. You would not uh, accomplish anything at all by doing that except to get yourself in big trouble. It is Jesus who fights the devil, my friend, not you. But if you want to know the battle and the work of the warrior, it's praying with all prayer and supplication. This is the work of the Christian warrior. This is how we get things done. And it gives us the example of Elias here, Elijah. And, and I'll tell you, we have people in our midst that, that are struggling right now. now. That's why the Fifth Sunday and the second Sunday of every month, we pray for the families of our church. And, and I hope you take that serious and, and pray for those names that are on those lists and things that people are going through. And one more, and then we're done. Let's go to the book of Revelation and chapter 22. And we're just going to look at the last verse in the Bible. The last two verses here. Verse 20 says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. That's Jesus. The book of Revelation is not John's testimony. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Read chapter 1. Here's John, and he prays, Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The Bible ends with a prayer. It's that prayer that Jesus should come. How many of you have ever spent any real time just thinking about Jesus' return? Most of us, when we do, we get really scared and we say, Wow, wow, I've had enough of that. Let me, uh, let me go think about some happy things. But have you really understood what it means when Jesus comes? It says forever to be with the Lord. Do, do you get that? Never again will we face the tempter's snare. Never again will we worry about anything. Under any circumstances, worry will not be part of our relationship with God. Why? Because we will be there. We will see the Lord Jesus and there is nothing... That couldn't concern us. Do you think that when we're standing there around the throne, casting our crowns before His feet, that we are going to lack for joy? Hello? I'll tell you what, we're not. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That is the reward of the serving Christian. You know, the most wonderful thing about 
the rapture of the church and once we get there in heaven, we will never once again come before the Lord with sorrow in our hearts. So-and-so is sick and dying. We're going to be forever together with each other and in the Lord. And uh, often at funerals, I try to explain this and people have asked questions. Well, when I get to heaven... uh, how am I going to feel toward my husband or my wife? And uh, I'm not going to have that special relationship that I have here on earth. I mean, uh, how, how is that going to work? Well, you have to understand something. The Bible says we, each one of us, are one in Jesus Christ. Do you realize that in heaven, we will be closer to each other than any human relationship here, and everything will be right and 100% correct, and we will be closer to the Lord. We will have more fellowship with each other and less friction in heaven. There will be no friction in heaven, by the way. Amen? There will be no opportunity for misunderstanding because the Bible tells us We will know as we are known. Now, I'm glad that's not true here on earth, aren't you? Uh, I'm glad that nobody knows except the Lord Jesus Christ what goes on in this heart and this mind because that's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. If we confess our sins, amen? And we keep ourselves so that we can walk with the Lord. But when we get there in heaven... We're not going to have to worry about that. We're never, ever going to feel alone after the rapture because we're going to be one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop and think about that. The Bible says that we ought to desire to be with the Lord, that the return of the Lord should not be some fearful thing. I mean, uh, that... That's why I do do not, please, do yourself a favor. Do not watch the Left Behind series uh, or uh, any of these movies about the return of Christ. Uh, uh, they might could possibly be good entertainment. I remember somebody gave me, oh, you've got to watch this. It's so powerful. And, uh, oh, my wife and I, we were just like, What? This, this is crazy. There's not an ounce of Bible in this whole movie. Uh, 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 the only thing that did impress us was the star of the movie was, uh, could have been a... Uh, uh, Bob Mack could have been a stunt double for him, for sure. And, and uh, we did get a lot of fun out of, uh, out, out of that. But uh, I'll tell you, those, those movies are ridiculous. They're not Bible. People think because you put it on television that it's real. Uh, Please, please don't go there. Stay with the Bible. I can't remember who it was. Somebody told me, well, if it's on the History Channel, it's got to be true. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, whoa. Uh, The only history on the History Channel is the fact that you already watched whatever it was you watched. That's the history. Uh, Other than that, don't count on anything, all right? You see, this world in which we live, 
is so full of lies and confusion. It's not going to be that way. In the twinkling of an eye, after the trumpet sounds. We, we need to readjust our prayers. It's not, oh Lord, I'm really terrified, but even so, come quickly, because pastor says we've got to pray for it. Amen. Uh, don't do that. Ask God to change you. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And until then, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen.